Greetings, fellow Earthlings. This is Dave Smith with another episode of the podcast and another thing with Dave. I want to start off by welcoming some new listeners. We've got listeners from India, from Canada, Ireland, the United Kingdom, Australia, Sweden, Germany, Russia, Indonesia, and the Czech Republic, among many others. Super excited to have so many listeners from all over the globe. So in this episode, I want to break down kind of what's going on with the, you know, with the housing market in the United States right now, um, specifically in California, uh, in terms of evictions, pending evictions and foreclosures, and how stimulus money isn't necessarily making it to the people that need it the most. Um, so let's go ahead and jump into the program here. I've got some clips from, uh, KPFA Evening News from May 5th, 2021. Mark Marigold, KPFA FM 94.1 and their Evening News. So with no further ado, let's jump right into it. A federal judge ruled today that the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention exceeded its authority when it imposed a federal eviction moratorium. The Justice Department said it would appeal the ruling from the U.S. District Court in Washington, D.C. Opponents of the moratorium, including the National Association of Realtors, welcomed the decision and said the solution was rental assistance, not a ban on evictions. Yeah, it's uh, no surprise that the, uh, you know, California or that the Department of Realtors would, you know, want um, a moratorium as opposed to, you know, forgiveness, right? Opponents of the ban argue it is necessary since the opponents of the ban argue it is pandemic is still a threat and so many people are at risk of eviction or foreclosure. Nearly 4 million people in the U.S. said they faced eviction or foreclosure in the next two months. The eviction ban, initially put in place last year, provides protection for renters out of concern that having families lose their homes and move into shelters or share crowded conditions with relatives or friends during the pandemic would further spread the highly contagious coronavirus. Meanwhile, you think, you think, you think that might be a a contributing factor? You think it, you think things would get worse if we had a bunch, you know, four million people, I guess they're talking about, all of a sudden in shelters, homeless, living, you know, in cramped close quarters with friends or relatives. Is that really what we want? I mean, this is crazy. And it brings up the point that even the middle, in the middle of a pandemic here, you know, our government is not offering us universal health care, even though members of our Congress have universal health care for themselves and their families. Meanwhile, Close estimates place the amount of past due rent that has accumulated during the first year of the pandemic as high as $50 billion. Two federal relief bills have allocated almost that much for rent relief. But when it comes to getting the help to the people who need it, the devil is in the details. Reporter Ariel Boone filed this report. Regina. So, you know, once again, we're going to hear that the people getting the relief the most 
and the easiest are not necessarily the people that need it the most. Um, you know, I know that's the case in the, the county I live in, Sonoma County, California, you know, hit very hard by fires, by the economy. We've got a horrible homeless population for the size of the community here. It's, it's amazing. Um, and we have an extreme shortage of affordable housing units. We have many market rate housing units going in, you know, multifamily units going in, condo complexes and whatnot. But there's only one that I know of, one affordable housing unit under construction, and it's probably only going to be 20 units. So leaves a lot to be desired. Regina lives in a shared house in Oakland. Regina and the roommates stopped paying rent when the pandemic hit. One roommate moved out, and they couldn't get a replacement. At the same time, Regina's income basically disappeared. Regina is exactly the kind of person federal rent relief money is supposed to help. Someone who suffered a financial loss from the pandemic and couldn't make rent as a result. Someone who shouldn't be buried under debt or evicted because they followed public health orders. If Regina and their roommates want to tap into federal money in California, however, their landlord will have to agree to forgive 20% of their debt through March in exchange for getting the other 80% paid by the state. That's under a California law called SB 91. That's Shanti Singh. Communication, that's Shanti. Now, I got I to gotta jump in right here because this is amazing, right? So the landlord has to agree. Like, how is that? Like, what? What? The landlord has to agree for the tenant to get rent forgiveness. And then the landlord is reimbursed 80%. So who comes up with this, right? Because no landlord's going to be stoked about losing 20% out the gates. And that's way more excessive than the amount they would have been profiting, I imagine. So who who makes up these arbitrary numbers? How, how why 80%? So now you're not going to have every landlord fired up because they're instantly losing 20%. Yeah, it's not better than it's a lot better than getting nothing, but why 80%? Why that arbitrary number? Who decided on that? I wonder, right? Where's that 20% going? Um you know, I can't believe that that 20%s just put on the on the landlord. That's crazy, you know. And we're going to hear later in the report, New York is not doing it that way. New York is going to pay landlords 100%. Imagine that, so that there's no loss, right? That, that would encourage people to want to take part in the program. And that should be the goal, you would think. But anyway, let's get back to the program. That's Shanti Singh, Communications and Legislative Director for Tenants Together. If your landlord simply refuses to take this 80-20 deal, which we're seeing, which we think is a great deal for landlords, that, you know, you're basically being penalized because if you apply yourself and you've done everything right, there's no debt forgiveness whatsoever. So what Regina did next was research on their landlord. So once again, you know, we're bending over backwards to take care of the larger business entities, but not the small guy. And so do you see a theme here? Do you see a theme here? Our government bends over backwards to take care of the banks, but not the homeowners in 2008. And as, as I've said many times, if we would have bailed out the homeowners, the banks would have been fine because they would have been paid, right? If you bailed out the homeowners, then their mortgages would have been covered. So the banks wouldn't have been shorted. So there would have been no issue and it all would have been fine. Nobody would have lost their home. 
Oh, but guess what? By bailing out the banks, not the homeowners, now 5 million people lost their homes in 2008 or because of that crash, the banks were able to resell a bunch of those houses. So who made out like bandits? The banks got paid for creating this issue, the problem, by bundling these bad mortgages. Um, and then they get bailed out, and then they're able to actually, you know, repo these houses and sell them again. Wow. So that's the dark side of capitalism right there. You know, it, I'm not saying, I'm not anti-capitalism, but there have to be safeguards in place and, I mean, this is ultimately the work of lobbyists, right? There's five lobbyists for every congressperson in Washington, D.C. So that's the problem. They, the, the lobbyists, have your congressperson's ear, not the public, right? When was the last time you went and spoke with a congressperson or hounded them on the phone or did a, a letter campaign? You know, I'm not pointing fingers because I haven't either, but I'm just saying... Lobbyists are there every day in force. So let's get back to it. They owned a lot more properties than we expected. They looked up their landlord's property taxes and whether their unit had a mortgage. They sought help from local housing rights groups like the Tenant and Neighborhood Councils, or TANK. Then they organized. So this is fantastic. Um, so they were thinking that their landlord, it might be a small landlord. And they look them up. Oh, it's a huge landlord. Um, I had a similar issue. Um, well, so what happened here in Sonoma County after the fires is huge developers came in and bought whole neighborhoods, right? So, oh, yay, it's being redeveloped. Oh, yeah, but some developer came in and bought it on the cheap, and now they're going to sell it at market rate. So, you know, raping the community um, in a disaster, you know, there were fly-by-night contractors that took people's whole insurance settlement and left them without a home. And, oh, man, it was just, it was just a, a, a wild, wild west nightmare. You know, there was no legislation that things had to be built back fire-resistant, even though they were built in a, you know, in a firestorm path. They didn't have to mandate stucco and tile roofs. No, there's a bunch of wood houses built right where whole neighborhoods were torched unbelievable but that's the corporate influence right the building association didn't want contractors to have to incur extra costs and hell if the government's going to subsidize you know some green building like hemp construction which is actually fireproof and carbon negative imagine that imagine if you know the government did work for the people instead of the corporations. And imagine if they mandated and subsidized a, the rebuilding of a, of a neighborhood in a firestorm path with fireproof hemp houses that are self-insulating. If you build the walls a, th a foot thick, they're self-insulating to 65 degrees year-round. Imagine the cost and pollution savings on heating and cooling and you have the added benefit of it being fireproof. You can check out uh, videos on YouTube. People put a torch up against hempcrete, and it doesn't even after 10, 20 minutes, it doesn't even, just doesn't burn. It does not catch fire, period. Anyway, I digress. Let's get back to the program. Now they're getting ready to negotiate. 
Regina figures their landlord will want the 80% payoff they can get through SB 91 and that the landlord can afford to forgive the other 20%. But they still need the landlord to agree. And if the landlord doesn't, California will still pay, but only 25% of the back rent owed. It's a better. So this is crazy, right? So the, I mean, who writes these laws? Clearly nobody who's going to have to utilize the program, right? Clearly this is a case of our politicians, legislators being so out of touch with what the average American needs that they write this legislation that has 42 hoops to jump through. 80%, but the landlord has to sign off on it. And if the landlord doesn't sign off on it, then you only get 25%. Like what? Who comes up with these plans? Who came up with these arbitrary numbers? There's no explanation. Unbelievable. It's better than nothing, but you're still on the hook for that 75%. And your landlord can begin to pursue you in small claims court for that debt. Regina's situation is largely a product of how California chose to use the federal money it received for rent relief. So, wow. So you go on, you get you get uh, reimbursement from the state for 25% of your rent. But then your landlord can sue you for the other 75%. So it's not a forgiveness program. Wow. See? So it's... Just the whole concept, the whole structure, and the way our Congress people work is bass backwards. This should be a debt forgiveness and debt relief program. The rent should just be wiped out, period. Then you worry about if you got to take care of the landlord or whatever, but you make the person just, you know, um, make it uncollectible. You make it uncollectible. My God, this is crazy. Other states, like New York, are doing it differently. My name is Ed Josephson, and I'm Director of Litigation at Legal Services NYC. Under New York's rent relief program, landlords have an incentive to participate. The program will pay them 100% of the rent they're owed, not just 80%. And if landlords don't agree to accept the relief, their tenant's debt becomes uncollectible. That's Russ Heimerich, a spokesperson for the California Business Consumer Services. So that, that's how it should be, right? The state has the right to mandate that. Bam, you're here. You're going to take part in this program, and it's going to cover 100% of your rent. And if you don't pay, take part in this program, Mr. Landlord, Mrs. Landlord, then you are forfeiting your right to that money. You don't sue the tenant. That's in the New York legislation. That that That's not even part of the equation. The tenant can't be sued for the money. They're protected right out the gates. So do you know why it's so different in California? Is because of lobbying. The California Real Estate Association, the California Apartment Managers Association, the California Apartment Owners Association, the California Property Managers Association, all of these, the California Builders Association, all of these for-profit agencies have their hands in the pie, in the real estate pie, and they want the prices to keep going up. Because the higher the prices go, the more those people make money. The more money those people make. I was in real estate for a couple few years. I still have my license. And I had to pay those agencies. It was a mandatory due. Always pissed me off every time I saw that debt. 500 bucks a year I had to pay to those agencies. And I don't own a home. 
and I want rent control, but I had to pay those agencies, those associations, to lobby against my best interest. Oh, that pissed me off. So that's exactly what we've got here. Huge lobbying groups, lobbying, bending the ear of your congressperson way more than the average person is. Let's get back to it. A spokesperson for the California Business Consumer Services and Housing Agency, which oversees the State Department running the rent relief program. I asked him whether California's larger corporate landlords are applying for relief payments at higher rates than small landlords. Uh, at, at this point, yes. Uh, we are working hard to get the numbers of landlords up. Not There's a similar problem on the tenant side. A study by Urban Institute showed the tenants who are struggling to pay rent are less likely to know about rent relief programs than tenants who aren't struggling. And isn't that typical, right? Like what that reminds me of is taxes, right? So the rich pay tax lawyers to find tax loopholes. So they pay less in taxes. The people that don't need a tax break pay less in taxes because of these loopholes, because they have the money to pay a specialist. The people that could use a, 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 you know, some advice the most can't afford it, therefore don't get it. So it's very similar in that way. So just once again, another example of how our government bends over backwards for the big guy, how, how we are basically just owned by corporations, you know, corporations and associations and NGOs. So thank you people for listening. This has been Dave, Dave Smith with And Another Thing with Dave. Thank you for tuning in. I appreciate the support. You can check me out on all the different uh, podcast platforms. Now on Amazon Music, I'm happy to say, and iTunes. I also do a live podcast on the Stereo app. My handle on Stereo is And Another Thing. And you can also check me out on YouTube, And Another Thing with Dave. Peace out, people.